Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work-from-home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Patrick Schwarzenegger, co-founder of MOSH, protein bars with a focus on brain health. Outside of being the son of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver, Patrick has made an amazing career for himself, from acting, investing into startups, and now running MOSH. Partnering with his mom, MOSH donates a portion of all proceeds to the women's Alzheimer's movement. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Patrick Schwarzenegger, actor, investor, and co-founder of MOSH. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to, uh, to talk. Of course. So I like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, growing up into such an iconic family, where did you grow up and how would you kind of describe your upbringing? Yeah, so I, I grew up here in Los Angeles, California um, and uh, born and raised here. I'm here right now currently. Um, but my upbringing was definitely very unique. Uh, my dad is obviously from Austria, so he's an immigrant over here. And my mom's from the East Coast and grew up, uh, you know, in totally different uh, family backgrounds. Uh, you know, my mom is, is a Shriver Kennedy uh, and kind of grew up in a political dynasty on the East Coast. And my dad grew up on a, uh, in, a, in a small town in Austria with a population of 50 people or something like that. And he moved to America with $2 to his name. So it's um, I've had a really, you know, special and, and unique upbringing by by kind of having uh, two different, you know, my parents coming from two very different backgrounds and also mm -hmm. two different political backgrounds. My dad's a Republican, my mom's a Democrat. So that's also kind of shaped a lot of my values today. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I, I don't I don't really know how to categorize it, but I think my parents did such a great job of always really prioritizing uh, you know, manners, respect, uh, determination, hard work, and um, kind of always wanted me to know that anything that I want to do in life, I'm, I'm capable of doing to dream big, uh, but to but that I would have to put the hard work in and nothing was given, nothing in life is given for free. And uh, they both didn't want to really kind of give me any handouts and, and really wanted me to work hard for uh, the respected passions that I had. For sure. Um, at such a young age then, uh, would you say you had an entrepreneurial mindset, uh, lemonade stand, selling products, anything like that? Yeah, I had a, a very entrepreneurial mindset ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I, I, one of my first, uh, oops, one of my first birthday gifts that I can recall ever asking for was one of those like little kid trucks, you know, those ones that you sit in and, and oh, you yeah. press and it goes like five or maybe eight miles an hour or something <laughs> like that. But I wanted a very specific one. I wanted this truck one with an empty bed in the back so that I could put my my lemonade stand table mm. uh, in the back. And I remember my dad and my mom bought that for me for my birthday and it made it so that I could drive from my house 
down our street. We lived in a little community and, and then I could park out by sunset and I could set up my lemonade stand. And, uh, I remember that being like one of my, my first ideas of learning business, Yeah, you know, from, from buying the little crystal geyser, you know, lemonade packets at the grocery store and my parents showing me, okay, you know, these packets are each, uh, the box of 12 is, you know, $8. And then you divide it up by 12 of those. And that's how much this is. And then you're going to pour it into the water. How many cups can you make out of that? And then you're going to sell it for this. You know, by the way, lemonade stands are great profit margins. So for sure. Um, that was the first time I really started to learn about, you know, business in a very generic way. But it was, uh, you know, one, one of the times I started my next business when I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, mm-hmm. called Project 360, which was a clothing company that I, I later on sold. But I remember one time I met Warren Buffett uh, while I was uh, selling some of these clothing and uh, I have a photo with, with me and him framed in my room and he's kind of whispering something into my ear. And I always remember what he said. And he said, if I can give you one piece of advice, it's to start early. And wow. it doesn't matter if your first businesses aren't a success. It doesn't matter, you know, how big or small it becomes. But if you're starting here at your age, and I was 13, he was like, I, I guarantee you this will be the, 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 the best learning experience and the best way to learn business is to do things firsthandedly and to, to start early. And uh, so I always remembered that. That's amazing. So going to school at a young age, uh, elementary, middle school, what was that like, especially coming from your family background? How did the kids see uh, kind of your upbringing in contrast to theirs? Yeah, well, I went to a really small private school, kindergarten through 12th grade called Brentwood. It was, um, you know, only, I mean, in, in lower school, there was only like 40 kids in a grade and then high school was like 100 and something. So it was very small and I knew most of the people, all of my best friends today still are from my, my preschool and lower school, high school. So, um, you know, I became really close with everybody at the school and they never really kind of treated me weird or different because I kind of just knew them my whole life. But yeah. my upbringing was completely different than most people. You know, I grew up in a, in a school that had a lot of, you know, other wealthy kids and individuals and stuff like that. And, and, um, but my parents were just had the complete opposite teaching and, and parenting approach than every other parent. Uh, you know, they didn't give us any, uh, none of us were allowed to have phones until we were in high school. You know, none of us had TVs in our room. Um, we all had to do uh, specific chores of doing laundry or cleaning the house and stuff like that. Um, we didn't have any credit cards. Their parents didn't give us money. We got allowance based on the chores that we did, Mm. but other kids, you know, all got their parents credit cards. They all got, you know, unlimited this and that, um, (laughs) get stuff like that. My parents just never were really about that. Mm -hmm. And it's still funny because today my friends still make fun of me. They're always like, Oh my God, you don't valet park. You don't get the bottle (laughs) waters at dinner. When we go, you're so cheap and everything (laughs) like that. I'm like, dude, I got to make my, I I have to, you know, pay for myself and make my own own money, you know? For sure. And uh, my parents were always very adamant about that of never giving us any handouts or freebies or or just money and stuff like that, because they really wanted us to to understand the value of a dollar and understand the hard work that goes in in order to receive that. And, um, and, you know, I I was telling you one of the, the funny stories. It's like when I went to camp with my friends and it was already a huge deal for me to get to go to camp and, yeah, and uh, my parents bought me a flight and I was, they, anytime my parents bought me a flight, they put me in the last row of coach, literally the last <laughs> row of coach. 
and I would always complain, mom, dad, but can, can, can you put me up there or the economy plus the comfort with the seats that go a little bit further back? That's where my friends are. And they were like, you can do that. Yeah. And I was like, but I can't, I can't afford it. They're like, well, then that's your fault. You can go out and make the money and do it. We're buying you a seat to get to your, to your destination. And, and you should be thankful for that. But until you go put the work in, you're not going to be flying, you know, premium economy or, or first class or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and so those were just the little details they always, they always did. And, and my dad always kind of said that, that in life, he always wanted to give us a little idea of of a successful life mm. he always wanted to give us a little snippet of it because then it makes you crave it more that's true. and uh and so he always was a was very adamant about those little things that he would show us that would that would spark our interest in this ideal lifestyle and everything but then he would take everything else away and that allowed you to get obsessed with it and want to find other ways to become uh you know to get that lifestyle per se for sure Going into kind of your high school years, you made your first initial investment. Uh, this is Blaze Pizza. Um, if you could share with the listeners kind of where you were when you heard about the steel, where the blueprints, and what was Blaze actually at that point? Yeah, so I was doing an internship in, uh, I think that was 10th or 11th grade in high school. This is back when, you know, internships were not paid and you just <laughs> had to go and learn from somebody and everything like that. And I was learning from a guy named John Davis, and he's a producer and also does uh, food investments, fast, fast casual food investments. And he got pitched on this idea from Rick Wetzel, who sold Wetzel's pretzels. Mm -hmm. And Rick told him, you know, I want to, the Chipotle is blowing up. It's, you know, it's uh, this thing where everyone can go and customize their orders and it's, and it's Mexican food and burritos and all that. And Subway was already massive. And he was like, I want to do the same thing, but for pizza. No one's doing it for pizza. Yeah. You know, there's there's Chipotle, there's Subway, there's Panda Express, there's all these different things. And Domino's is massive. Uh, you know, uh, Pizza Hut is massive, but they don't allow you to customize your your items. For sure. And that's the number one thing with customers right now. They want to have a say in what their order is. They want to watch their food being made. And I was like, shit, this is genius. Like, why are they not doing it for pizza? Pizza is massive. And so I invested in it. I was like, okay, you know, here's, here's, I want to invest. Um, I put some of my own capital in and got, an, got a loan from my, my parents to do the rest uh, with an interest rate. And, um, you know, I went and invested and that company grew from pre-revenue from zero stores to 365 stores and wow. became a multi-hundred million dollar company. And, and I sold out. And for me, you know, being a college student and making millions of dollars was like uh, unreal. Yeah, but that's that's what really sparked my interest in into business in a whole other way. But it also allowed me to understand that customers and consumers were looking for healthier alternatives. Mm. They were really focused on um, you know finding ways to 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 seek out new companies and new products that were doing it different than than the past uh, had been doing and. So when I sold out of Blaze, I, I put majority of the money back into different companies, just to uh, other companies that were really providing customers with a healthier alternative without sacrificing price, flavor, and taste is where I, I like to go. So all of my businesses today, my 20 plus, are all in that space. So whether you know Starbucks Frappuccino is the leading coffee company, I did Super Coffee, which is mm -hmm. the you know the better for you version without the sugar. Um, you know, if uh, Gatorade is the, the best growing uh, hydration drink, you know, I did liquid IV, which is, you know, almost a third of the sugar and it's in packets, it's cheaper. If nug, you know, the nuggets are the best selling nugget, then we did the, 
uh, Nugs, which is the plant-based version, or Beyond Meat is the plant, you know, so For on sure. so forth. For schooling then, uh, you went on to USC. Uh, I can't even imagine what college life must have been like. You were still with Blaze, uh, acting at the time as well. Uh, this is 2012. Uh, if you kind of can share, what was your college experience like along with what did you study at USC? Yeah, sorry. Um, so I studied um, uh, business and cinematic arts, entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurship with, um, you know, business of cinematic arts and film and theater. Um, so I kind of did a dual, uh, you know, studies at USC, uh, which was very beneficial for me. And it was it was a great experience. I loved college. It was fun. I met a lot of great people. Um, of course, there's tons of valid debates of of you know, is college worth it? Is it not? The pricing of college is, you know, disgusting and it's, it's terrible and, and puts a lot of people back and it's uh, an unfair, you know, system and stuff. So, um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, school was great. What was the other question of it? Uh, yeah. Just what was the overall experience like? Uh, at yeah, it was great. It was really fun. I, I mean, I loved it. I opened a place pizza at USC. So wow. I had that going, which was great. Um, you know, I learned a lot more about certain business stuff, but there were also a lot of unnecessary classes that I really didn't need to take or waste my time with. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't as motivated and I didn't have as clear of goals and, and, uh, and a vision for myself of where I want to go as I do today. For you sure. know, back then in school, yeah. I just didn't have that. And maybe there's more distractions, more other things on my mind in college than, than just really about like, you know, business and life now. But but um, yeah, so I'm not sure I was really prepared to do what I wanted to do back then. But but now it's it's way way more clear. Hundred percent. So following your time at USC, um, you continue doing investing in uh, num numerous different categories. Um, to the listeners out there and entrepreneurs, you said better for you category is what you look for. What are some other things you look for in a startup uh, before investing? Yeah, so the Better For You Health and Wellness space is where I like to be. That's what I'm passionate about. That's the kind of space that I grew up with eating healthy with my dad and his lifestyle. Um, that's the space that's continued to grow specifically in America the last five to 10 years. Uh, food innovation has continued to grow. So that's just like the area that I feel very, you know, uh, educated in, uh, passionate, passionate about, and uh, I'm always a customer as well. Mm. Um, for products and for entrepreneurs that I'm out there looking for, you know, I get pitched on 10, 20 different companies and, you know, a week or something a month. Um, I always really have to see what the vision is for the company. Uh, you know, what, what, what is it really trying to do? Is there, is, is it meeting the customers where they are currently at and, and providing that healthier, you know, better, better for you version of what's out there? Uh, then it's interesting to me. Are they an entrepreneur that's an absolute workhorse? You know, I don't care if they don't have the experience. I don't care if they're 20 or, or, or 30. I actually prefer to work with younger entrepreneurs because then I can really help them. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're hungrier to go out and, and make a difference. Um, but they have to be a workhorse. They have to be someone that's super passionate about their, their product, their company, and their mission. And uh, lastly, I have to be a customer. I have to be someone that's really going to want to like it. It's got to be for the masses. It's got to be something I like, but my girlfriend also probably likes um, and stuff like that. I, 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 I think a lot of investors get caught up in, in being in Los Angeles and focusing on this niche LA crowd, yeah. whether as I really like to, to focus on what's going to work in LA, but what's also going to work in, 
in Alabama and Texas and Tennessee and in the flyover states. You know, that's For really sure. where I think a, a company become can become mass and. And that's, you know, for an example, that was one of the main decision making when I, when I was investing in super coffee versus Bulletproof, you know, mm. five years ago, Bulletproof was doing like 30, 40, 50 million in sales. They were growing massively. Everybody knew what Bulletproof was, it was Bulletproof diet, all this stuff. And, and super coffee was under a million dollar sales. And it was three young uh, entrepreneurs out of college that were doing it out of their dorm room. And, um, they were like, look, we're going to do this kind of, you know, we understand that this is a fastest growing category, ready to drink coffees. People want it um, with these things called MCT oil. You know, we're very similar to Bulletproof, but we're, we're without all the fat and calories. Mm. You know, we, we have protein in it and uh, no sugar, but we're not loaded with all those calories. And that really hit for a lot of the females that I had talked to. Mm. And uh, the other thing was their price point was half. So they were something that I could see in a Walmart and a Costco at, at 7-Eleven at the different gas stations. And I was like, fuck, you know what? I'm going to bet on you three guys. They were just absolute animals and workhorses and texting me at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., all these different things. And I was like, these guys are not going to lose. And, That's awesome. and now they've, uh, you know, they're, they're surpassing Bulletproof. They're doing over $100 million revenue this year. And, wow. And, uh, you know, they continue to grow. And, and I'm just really proud of that. That's amazing. Uh, after numerous investments, and you're still a major investor today, uh, moving into Mosh, launching in 2021 this year. Uh, you yeah. and your mother started this company with powerful mission and focus on brain health. Uh, having Alzheimer's in the family prior, what led you and your mom to uh, starting your own startup? Yeah, so so Mosh, uh, Mosh is a mission-driven company. Mm -hmm. Our mission is to educate consumers on what they eat, what they drink, what they put inside their body impacts their brain health. So we don't talk at all about a product in our in our mission statement. We don't talk at all about a product on how we were born. Uh, because it's a mission of, of how we were born, mm -hmm. how we're getting to the consumer, the medium that we are using as our first product is a brain bar. It's this protein bar, snack bar on the go that has 12 grams of protein from grass fed whey and collagen sources. It's got no added sugar. It's keto friendly, two to three grams net carb. And then it's got seven brain boosting elements from the different functional uh, mushrooms like lion's mane, ashwagandha. We have omega threes, which is a great, um, you know, essential uh, thing for, for brain health. We've got vitamin D3, B12, which are critical for brain health as well. Um, almonds, chia seed, flaxseed, healthy fats. So, um, you know, it's a bar that was created with a lot of my, my mom's background and, and doctor advisors um, that work on brain health to create this, this, this brain bar. But our overall company, we want to grow and create all these different products. I always joke we want to be the Apple of brain health, the Nike of brain health. We want to go out there and really create multiple product lines that meets the customer where they are, but infuses this idea of thinking about brain and body health. But yes, that's, that's what we're doing. And, and, you know, we really started this company because, um, you know, it was back when I moved home with my mom during COVID, you know, it was the mm. first time we had really gotten to spend a lot of time together uh, and live together since, you know, my high school days. And yeah. um, she had always toyed around with doing a company or supplements or something. And, and when I moved back home with her, she was like, look, we have all this time. Like, let's focus on this. I have all of the background in the brain health space. I know all the doctors. You have the CPG background. You've got all this food and Bev connections and, and friends and everything. Like, let's, let's create something. And protein bars, snack bars were her favorite thing. I mean, she yeah. loved them so much that she had to give them up for Lent. Um, <laughs> so we started with that. And, and our, our, our main goal is to just go and continue to, to, to find other product lines and mediums to get out to the customer and educate them about, you know, uh, a brain healthy lifestyle. 
we also really wanted to show entrepreneurs that that starting a company on a mission-based aspect is the most important thing you can do because customers buy the why, not the what. So true. They really go and buy into the mission story. They buy into why you created it, what your backstory is, all of that stuff versus just slapping your name or your face onto a random product. Um, and that, and and we wanted to show that you could be a give back company. You know, we're gonna be a B4 pending this next year. We are a public benefits corp. We give back, we have 5% proceeds go to women's Alzheimer's movement. And we wanted to show that you can do a company that's not only good for you, not only good for the customer, but good for the world. It's amazing. So talking with your mom, uh, COVID hits, what did the prototyping process look like? I imagine with your CPG space, you have numerous manufacturing partners. Uh, probably hitting you up for this. What did that process kind of look like for you? You would think that every manufacturer wants to work with us or something like that, but it was a utter disaster to work with, mm. uh, to go through the R&D process and the sampling process and all of that, because when COVID hit, it, it wasn't your typical, hey, let me go drive down to the, the co-kitchen and go and, and work for a few hours with the R&D team yeah. and create a bunch of different uh, uh, products, you know, or, or test them. We weren't allowed into the co-man kitchen. We weren't allowed into the manufacturing places. We had to do everything through Zoom. So what should have taken a few weeks or months ended up taking eight or 10 months. And, um, and then when we went to go and test it with different people, that was harder because you couldn't have everybody in the room. You had to send them things, then get a Zoom time. And so the whole process was really hard and really delayed. Um, but you know, it, it takes a long time to get something that we were really excited about and really happy with. Mm. We spent about seven or eight months on a specific product and we were almost ready to launch with it. And we did a group of a hundred people testing it and people liked it, but, but people didn't love it at that time. And it had seven grams of sugar. And a lot of the doctors were complaining, saying you guys really should do something with no added sugar. So we went fully back to the drawing bar board and restarted. Um, and we took every single, you know, insight that we had from consumers and re-implemented it into our new bars. Customers didn't want specifically women. And this is such an important thing for, for anyone listening is to know your customers, to know who you're really going after, because we were really wanting to target my mom's audience. We wanted to target females. We wanted to target females, 35, 45, 55 years old. And all of them didn't want a bar that was over 200 calories. Sure. And so what we decided to do was instead of a meal replacement bar, instead of a big protein bar, we wanted to go to on the go snack bar. Uh, we wanted to have something that was 160 calories or 170 calories that had an ample amount of protein only being, you know, 10, 12, 13 grams, something that was really satiating. So we went back to the drawing board, redid it all, worked another seven, eight months, and finally got to a product that we were extremely happy with that was super light and airy and crispy and, uh, you know, allowed our, our audience to feel uh, full, but not overly full and didn't give them a sugar rush, uh, didn't affect their blood levels, uh, had great sources of protein from grass fed whey and collagen. And, you know, so we really took the insight and went back to the drawing boards. Amazing. Talking on flavor, then branching from consistency, kind of um, what led you to go in with the three flavors that you have today? Well, a lot of people recommended we started with four, but we started with three because you know we're self-funded. We put up the money for this fully ourselves, and you know production orders are are expensive. Yeah. Um, you know those are that's one of the things that really hurts a lot of entrepreneurs is the amount of money you have to put up. Uh, you know, and and you're not going to see that money back for a long time. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, by the time you sell it to a retailer, sell it online, whatever, then the net 30, net 60 something. So there's a long discrepancy of time of when you actually see that capital again. So for us, this was a six figure investment into buying inventory. And um, we wanted to start with three flavors because we got better pricing if we did three flavors with more, a larger quantity versus four with, with smaller. Um, and we wanted to have the ability to always go out there and, and bring new, new flavors every quarter or every six months or something like that. And this, mm. this allowed us to do more. We also started with very quote unquote generic flavors, you know, like peanut butter crunch, peanut butter chocolate chip, chocolate fudge brownie, you know, like um, we didn't go out there with extreme cinnamon rolls or cookies and cream, something like that, because it's quite hard to do that with the ingredients we have. Mm. You know, we, we uh, have unsweetened cacao, you know, we don't have any added sugars. We, uh, you know, the majority of our bars are, our, uh, you know, our grass-fed whey protein blend and our almonds and nut butters. And, and then we've got these functional mushrooms and herbs in it. It's not the easiest thing to go out there and make these insane flavors. So For sure. that's what we started with. And um, yeah, we're really, really proud and happy of, of the products that are out there right now. Mm. To the listeners out there, in contrast to a typical bar that might be on the market today, uh, how would you compare consistency yeah, I mean, the consistency, you know, like the best way I describe like an RX bar is one that you have to like pull and tug at and chew and it gets stuck in your teeth versus a, um, you know, a quest bar is very uh, dense. Yeah. You know, you have to dig. Those are those are ones that are really high levels of of protein, 20 grams plus, And and the, the RX one is because it's a date based bar we're very different. We're mostly a nut butter based bar with, with grass fed protein. So it's a lot lighter, a lot airier. And then we've got little crisps inside it. So, you know, with us, your, your teeth kind of glide through the bar, we like to say, versus having to really, you know, puncture and, and pull. Um, and you know, that, that all, we, we took all that into consideration when making this, we really wanted a product that people felt light with. So again, this is not your meal replacement bar and stuff like that. This is more of an on-the-go snack. It's something that a lot of you know female audiences use as their, you know, something for breakfast with their coffee or or a little light snack. But um, yeah, that's how I would describe it. Got it. Talking earlier, uh, really a mission-driven brand. Uh, there's a direct monetary benefit of purchasing Mosh. Uh, if you could explain what led you to go in with the women's Alzheimer's movement for the organization to donate to. Yeah. So, um, women's Alzheimer's movement. So my, my, my mother's dedicated her life towards brain health research, specifically towards Alzheimer's. She lost her father to Alzheimer's about 10 years ago. Mm. And at that time, you know, 20 plus years ago, et cetera, um, all the research being done for Alzheimer's was done on, on the male brain. Mm. Um, and my mom was always kind of questioning why not the female brain? Why is there nothing different with women? And they were saying, no, no, no. And so she started the, the, uh, the Shriver Report and the Women's Alzheimer's Movement to raise money to, to fund the research on women's brains. And, and basically, you know, now today we know that two thirds of, of people with Alzheimer's cases are women. Two thirds, uh, you know, of the cases with dementia, brain related diseases are women. And the main thing that they're trying to figure out now is why. Why is it that women are so much more susceptible to an Alzheimer's or a brain-related disease than men? And that's where this, this funding goes towards. It goes towards the women's Alzheimer's movement and helps to, to fund research towards that. Mm. 
talking on your recent sellout, you guys, uh, you had a purchase order, sold out very quickly, high demand. Uh, you talked women ages 35. If you can depict a little more on your main demographic of what you might presume. Yeah, I mean, we, so like I said before, we, we you know, we went out of the gates. This is a company owned by my mother and I. Uh, we didn't spend any money on marketing. We don't have every, you know, big VC person in our corner and helping us along. We just put this out to our own audience, our own email list, our own text groups, our own social media followings. We sold out in three, four days. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, that was huge. Uh, selling that many bars that we thought would last us multiple months and in just a matter of a few days. And, and it was a blessing and a curse because now we don't have any more product for about another month or so. Mm -hmm. um, but but these products went like wildfire and we've already had thousands of reviews come in and just people loving it, the amount of five stars we've gotten. And uh, it's just been unreal to watch and to see and people saying exactly what we wanted them to say of it, kept them uh, full longer. They felt super light with it. It was a great on the go snack. They felt energized, they felt focused, all these different adjectives and words that we were like exactly hoping for. And it's just been such a, uh, a blessing and, and I feel just so, excited and, and humbled by it. It's just awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was the other part? I, I'm sorry, I got caught up. No, there. no, that, that was it. Uh, just the main demographic, what you presume it might be. Yeah, our main is. demographic. We're, we're still trying to figure out what's going to be our main demographic, but we, we really believe that it's going to be that 80% female audience, specifically 35 and above. But I think one of the main benefits of, of starting this company with my mother is that we're very cross-generational. I yeah. speak to an audience that she doesn't, and she speaks to an audience that I don't. I, I really have a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs following me, people on our, my LinkedIn, et cetera, that are uh, you know, all in the food and bev space. She's got majority of females that are 45 and above that she's talking to. So it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of what customers come back, where it's going towards, but that's our, our thesis is it's gonna be that, that female. Amazing. I like to conclude each episode with this. If you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret? Just anything. Yeah, well, before I was telling you kind of one of my ideas was always patience, you know, yeah. that, that nothing happens overnight and to have patience. If you're really out there hardworking and, and doing the best you can, nothing really happens overnight, whether that's the, the ideal body you want to get, if you want to get the six pack, if you want to be successful in financial terms, if you want to get that raise, you want to get to that specific uh, goal line, nothing happens overnight. And you need to continue to put in the hard work. But I think one of the great advices that I got, like I told you before from Warren Buffett, was super simple, super easy, but just start, start early, start young. And, uh, you know, so much of the time, entrepreneurs have this idea of fear. We have so much mm -hmm. fear about what other people are going to think, fear of failure, fear of, you know, if I don't make it, how are people going to look at me? But really you, you got to get out there you got to try you got to put your your best effort in and if it doesn't work you got to learn from that and take that and apply it to the next business or the next thing that you go out and do but really going out and doing and starting uh is the best thing that i can that i can tell a lot of young entrepreneurs for sure well patrick thank you so much for joining me today and to the listeners out there make sure to check out mosh at moshlife.com hey thank you for listening to this episode of starting small if you would Leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.